Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. This is Brad Lambert from Team Finland. I'm Oscar Olesen from Team Sweden. Hey, this is Dylan Grand. Hi, I'm Lane Hudson from the U.S. National Team. Dion Mishak. Fabian Lucell. Cole Perfetti. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Major Junior. Hey, this is Matthew Kachuk of the London Knights. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters. Gerald Dubois from the Cape Breton Screen Eagles. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads. This is John Gunther of the Emerson Oil Kings. NCAA. Hey, this is Noah Hannafin from Boston College. Hey, it's Troy Terry from the Denver Pioneers. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. It's Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. The NHL Draft. U.S. Lovkovsky from TPS. Hey, this is Kevin Krasinski of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, guys, it's Cutter Goche from the U.S. National Team. Hi, it's Matt Savoy with the Winnipeg Ice. Hey, this is Sarah Manzel from Shaska High School. Nessa Goche, I play for the Quebec Ramparts. This is Ty Nelson from the North Bay Battalion. Hey, it's Dylan James from the Sioux City Musketeers. This is Rieger Lorenz from the Okotoks Oilers. And more. And welcome to the Pipeline Show. And this is the Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Well, great weekend, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's me. Thanks for downloading this week's episode. It's a CHL playoff preview episode. Last week, we did the NCAA National Tournament preview. This weekend, the CHL playoffs get underway in all three CHL leagues. In fact, last night, the OHL started a little bit early. We'll get to the updates on that in a minute. But, of course, a reminder that The Pipeline Show brought to you by... Our friends at Wilhock Beef Jerky, three locations in the Edmonton area. The original is in Leduc. You can ask for Trent. The second location is in Spruce Grove, where you can ask for Trevor. Or you can go to the kiosk in West Edmonton Mall. If you are in Western Canada, you can always go to their website as well, wilhawkbeefjerky.com, W-I-L-H-A-U-K, beefjerky.com, and they will ship your order to you anywhere in Western Canada, any order, any size. Vacuum sealed, absolutely fresh and delicious upon arrival. WilhawkBeefJerky.com As I mentioned, today we're going to do the CHL playoff preview. We might as well start with uh, what happened in the OHL last night, though. Five games uh, kicking off the playoffs in the OHL, and uh, some of them pretty lopsided scores. The Ottawa 67, 7-0 winners over Oshawa to begin. Saginaw 7-1 over the Flint Firebirds. And how about the Barry Colts laying an absolute beating on the defending champs, the Hamilton Bulldogs? Of note in that game, Brent Clark, two goals and four assists in Game 1 of the OHL playoffs uh, for the Barry Colts. We said he was going to be a difference maker. Well, we actually haven't got to the OHL playoff preview. You're going to hear that in the first segment today. Uh, but Brent Clark features heavily uh, in favor for the Barry Colts. The other two games, the Peterborough Peets, of defeating the Sudbury Wolves 4-2 in what probably could be a pretty good series. And the Kitchener Rangers with the uh, Game 1 upset over the number 1 seed, the Windsor Spitfires, the Kitchener Rangers, 5-3. They take Game 1. No scores to talk about in the WHL, but a couple of uh, interesting news and notes items as the order for the Bantam draft has been determined. The Prince Albert Raiders win the lottery, so they move from their regular spot up to number two. However, they also hold the number one pick, which belonged to the Edmonton Oil Kings. So the uh, Raiders are picking one and two, much like Winnipeg did a few years back. 
uh, when they took uh, Matthew Savoy and Connor Geeky one and two. Uh, so that is a uh, big development for the Prince Albert Raiders. The Spokane Chiefs will pick first WHL's U.S. draft. Uh, meanwhile, the Oil Kings for the uh, Bantam draft, or what used to be called the Bantam draft, they actually hold Regina's first-round pick, which I believe is sitting about 12th. Uh, so yeah, the, the Oil Kings do fall from the number one spot because they traded that pick uh, to the number 12. So they still have a first-round pick. It's still in the middle of the first round, but it's not the first overall. However... They traded that pick to get Caden Gooley last year, who he himself was a first overall pick. So you can kind of uh, justify that, especially because the Oil Kings are defending WHL champions. There'll be obviously be a new champion this year, but if you're going to empty the cupboards to win, you better win, and the Oil Kings did. So no regrets from their perspective uh, on doing that. Let's jump over to the Alberta Junior Hockey League playoffs into the second round. Three of the four series... Uh, could end in the next game as the Drumheller Dragons lead Blackfalls 3-1. The Sherwood Park Crusaders are down 3-1 to the uh, Spruce Grove Saints. And the Bonneville Pontiacs looking to uh, take down the Whitecourt Wolverines. The Axe leading that series three games to one. Now the other series is deadlocked right now, and that sees the Okotoks Oilers taking on the uh, number one ranked team in the Canadian Junior Hockey League. That's the Brooks Bandits. So that one's going at least six games, could go seven. It's down to a best of three now, Brooks, with home ice advantage. The BCHL playoffs are set. The heavily favored Penticton Vs only lost three games in regulation time all season. Uh, They are the number one seed going up against Trail. You got Cranbrook against Wenatchee. The West Kelowna Warriors will take on the Vernon Vipers. Salmon Arm against Prince George. Nanaimo gets Langley. Surrey to play Powell River. Victoria gets uh, Alberty Valley. And the Coquitlam Express will face the Chilliwack Chiefs in the first round. South of the border in the USHL. It's about two weeks left in the regular season. The uh, race atop the Eastern Conference has gotten tight. Chicago and Youngstown neck and neck. 72 points for Chicago, 71 for Youngstown. The other four teams who look like they're going to lock up a playoff spot in the East uh, are the... uh, Green Bay Gamblers, the Dubuque Fighting Saints, Cedar Rapids, and uh, the U.S. National Development Program, which come playoff time will mostly be the U-17 squad, as the U-18s will be getting ready to go over for the World U-18 Championship. In the Western Conference, it's all Fargo, 78 points atop uh, the Western Conference standings. Waterloo is next with 69 points. Lincoln Stars with 68. Then you got Tri-City, Sioux City is in fifth, and then a bit of a race between Sioux Falls and Des Moines, who are sixth and seventh. One of them will miss. Uh, Right now, the Stampede have a three-point lead, but Des Moines has two games in hand. The North American Hockey League, uh, most teams have four, maybe five games left to go. There are a couple of teams with uh, seven games still to play. As we've talked about the last few weeks, the the only real race atop one of the divisions is in the Midwest with uh, Wisconsin having a two-point lead over the Minnesota Wilderness, and both of those clubs have six games to go. In the NCAA, well, we got the Frozen Four finalists now. I don't know about you, but my bracket was terrible this year. My bracket was really bad. I have actually two of the Frozen Four correct in Minnesota and Michigan, but In the opening round, where you've got eight games, I went three for eight. So that is bad. Uh, St. Cloud, the only other team who won their opening round uh, 
game that I had predicted correctly, and then they had to play Minnesota. So I, that was the only bracket, the, the only regional that I got 100% right. Uh, Denver and Harvard both lost out in the first round. They were my other two Frozen Four picks. So my bracket was terrible. I do have Minnesota winning the national championship, and they are uh, in the Frozen Four. So that could potentially still happen. Should be couple of great games though uh, minnesota taking on the boston university terriers meanwhile you've got quinnipiac squaring off against michigan in the frozen four you're gonna next week on the show you're gonna hear from all four coaches as the ncaa had their coach avail uh, the media conference which i was able to tune in for so we'll share some of that audio next week on the program and i'll get a couple of uh, people to come on and uh, talk about to break down those games a little bit more Lastly, we could uh, mention some NHL player signings uh, from various leagues over the last few weeks. Going back to, let's say, March uh, 20th, Hunter McCown from Colorado College was signed by Columbus. Brett Burrard leaves Providence College to join the New York Rangers. Tampa Bay has signed defenseman Max Crozier, also from Providence. The Edmonton Oilers signing a Swedish forward Carl Berglund, who was playing with the Riverhawks of UMass Lowell. Tyler Clevin has left North Dakota to join the Ottawa Senators. Actually, he played in an NHL game already. And OHL signing, uh, Bryce McDonald Barker has uh, signed with the New York Rangers. They drafted him. He plays for the Sioux Greyhounds. Paul Ludwinski, who's in Kingston with the Frontenacs, uh, was signed by the Chicago Blackhawks. Henry Thrun, he was at Harvard, signed by San Jose. In fact, there's a few players from Harvard who have uh, signed contracts now. Sean Farrell being one of them, who played for Montreal, scored in his first game on his first shift, first shot on net for Sean Farrell. So that's a pretty nice start to your career. Parker Ford also at Providence. He's uh, now with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Max Sasson was uh, one of those uh, key free agents out there. He has been signed by the Vancouver Canucks. Matt Coronado does come to terms with the Calgary Flames, who drafted him. Uh, Philadelphia gets Emil Andre, defenseman, who was playing in Sweden. I believe he was a second-round pick for them. Detroit inks both William Willinder and Carter Mazur. Mazur was playing with Denver. Willinder was playing uh, overseas in Sweden. The Dallas Stars coming to terms with Matthew Semenov of the Kamloops Blazers. Another free agent signing uh, by Vancouver, Akito Hirose, who we've talked about a lot here on the program uh, with Minnesota State. And uh, one of his teammates, Jake Livingstone, also a free agent signing. He goes to Nashville to play with the Predators. Jason Poland from Western Michigan is now with the Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche also signing Andre Pavel from Minnesota State and Sam Malinsky of the Cornell Big Red. The New York Islanders also signing a, a Cornell player, defenseman Travis Mitchell. They get Aiden Fulp out of Western Michigan. The New Jersey Devils have signed Josh Philman, who they drafted from the Swift Current Broncos. And there will be more as it is a free agent signing time for sure for NHL squads. All my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. It's been uh, a long winter. Looking forward to some patio time as uh, things turn around in Alberta, at least uh, weather-wise. Go to troubledmonk.com shop. See all the varieties that they have on uh, their website that you can order. You can place those orders right on their website and then pick up either in Calgary or Edmonton at the farmer's market or right at the tap room in Red Deer. Of course, you can always go to your local liquor store as well. You'll have to ask them. If they don't have it in stock for you, you can ask them because they have access to and can bring it in for you. Lots of seasonals available right now that I haven't tried yet. They got a Snickerdoodle White Stout. 
Salty Beaches, it's a grapefruit agave wheat ale. They have a light Scottish ale that they call Never Gets Old. How about the Canadian Tuxedo Pilsner? The Night Light Schwartz Beer and the Cold Snap Rye Stout. Lots of different varieties right now. A few more. A Comfort Zone Hell's Lager. I like their uh, Hell's Lagers. And the Cryo Baby IPA. So many different seasonals to try. And a lot of those I haven't had a chance yet. So looking forward to getting in a new order uh, from Troubled Monk. The guest list this week, three guests for you as we're going to go in-depth on all three CHL leagues. We're going to start in the Ontario Hockey League. Brad Cogemilio from Sioux Today is going to be our guide. Now, keep in mind when I had the conversation with him, Game 1 hadn't started in five of those series, which uh, they started last night. A little bit weird to me that you would start your playoffs on a Thursday, but whatever. From the OHL, we go to the queue. And Jamie Tozer from Station Nation, also part of the uh, Hockey News broadcast podcast, that is. Uh, He does the one covering the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. So Jamie Tozer has the inside scoops on uh, the various series in the queue. Really interesting races, especially at the top of the conferences in the queue. And we will end things off this week with the WHL playoff preview. My broadcast partner with the Edmonton Oil Kings, his name is Andrew Peard. He is the play-by-play voice of the Oil Kings. We'll pick his brain on all of the various matchups in the Western Hockey League. Without further ado, let's get to it. Brad Cogemilio from Sioux Today is up next. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Lonnie wants this hat trick, and he's just going right to the net. Scores! There it is! He wanted it! He got it! <laughs> Give him five points! Hey, it's Gabriel Valerdi of the Windsor Spitfires, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. We are back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and it's a CHL playoff preview week here on the program as uh, we get ready for uh, the uh, playoffs to begin in uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the OHL and the WHL. Of course, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada uh, by going to wilhockbeefjerky.com. We're going to start this week uh, in the Ontario Hockey League and uh, some matchups that, uh, well, we had to go right down to the final game of the entire calendar, I believe, in the OHL to find out if it was going to be Oshawa or Kingston. And it is Oshawa that gets into the playoffs. I think they played on the final day, although I don't believe that last game actually mattered because Kingston won it 10-2. to uh, and they're not in the playoffs. So pretty obvious that didn't have any effect on the final standings. Uh, our guide to the uh, w- or the OHL playoffs is Brad Cogemilio from uh, Sioux Today. Brad, welcome back to the program. How are you? 
I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on, Guy. It's always uh, always a pleasure to to come in and talk hockey. Even uh, even like we said off air, even when our teams aren't in the playoffs, it's always fun to have a chat and catch up for sure. Well, we kind of have nothing but time on our hands right now. The great Sioux Greyhounds are out. The Edmonton Oil Kings <laughs> are out. Uh, so yeah, we're just watching. So we're unbiased in, in all of this, and that's why I wanted to call on you, especially uh, at this year. Uh, let's maybe start. I guess we could start in your conference though, and. And look at the the, the matchups. Uh, round one in the uh, in the West, we're seeing Windsor against Kitchener. London takes on Owen Sound. Sarnia against Guelph, and uh, the two American clubs that made the playoffs in Flint and and uh, Saginaw squaring off. Uh, where do you want to start? Should we start at the top and work our way uh, down? Yeah, you know what? Let's let's start there. It's definitely four interesting matchups for sure. Definitely. Uh... Let's start top to bottom. I think that's a good way to go for sure. All right. Well, then top team is the Windsor Spitfires or are the Windsor Spitfires. Poor grammar there. Uh, taking on the Kitchener Rangers, which on paper, you say it's still interesting. There's a pretty big difference uh, between where these clubs uh, finished the season. The Windsor Spitfires, 94 points. The uh, Kitchener Rangers, 72 points. So pretty big gap there. But uh, tell me why you think this could be a uh, not a, a quick series. Yeah, you know what? I mean, Kitchener was a Kitchener was a team that had high expectations going into the year. There was a lot of uh, you know a, a lot of expectations for for them throughout the year. They added uh, you know prior to the deadline, the first half of the year, they added guys like you know a guy like Francesco Arcuri. They added uh, you know a guy like Danny Jokin. and this is a team that has a lot of talent, and just for whatever reason was having trouble putting it together and then finally uh, ended up making a coaching change. Mike McKenzie comes back behind the bench and all of a sudden the team later in the year started rolling. Um, you know, for, for me, I, I, I would still say Windsor is the favorite with no question in this series, but um, you know, with the way the second half of the year went for Kitchener, I feel like they're a team that, you know, could make that series a little more interesting than a normal, uh, a normal one versus eight would be. And, um, you know, I look at Windsor and they obviously added pieces like Shane Wright and um, they added Jacob Holmes from Sudbury, the Dallas prospect, uh, you know, and it's been real good for them, uh, you know, since uh, since joining them. But, you know, that's a team that, you know, I wonder about their goaltending sometimes. Um, Joey Costanzo's uh, got picked up from Niagara and he's been you know, he's been relatively solid for them. Uh, Matthias Anushka is the other guy there. He's in OA, and their goaltending's just been, you know, it's been good enough. Um, you know, but uh, like I said, I mean, I, I, I like this matchup just on, you know, the fact that Kitchener was playing so well late in the year and got off to a roll. And there were points where, um, you know, later in the year where the Western Conference, the final, you know, four, three or four spots, they didn't get determined until the last, you know, last handful of days of the regular season, um, you know, and it was the same thing on the East side, but, you know, there were points where it looked like Kitchener could potentially move up, you know, two or three spots. So, um, you know, they're, a, they're a team that's, you know, started rolling a little bit at the right time. Uh, you know, they're playing some, some better hockey and, you know, I think they're going to give Windsor a run. I, like I said earlier, I feel like Windsor's still the favorite, but you know, it should be, uh, it should be an entertaining and pretty, uh, you know, somewhat lengthy series as well. Some of those weapons that Windsor has, Matthew Maggio, who led the OHL in scoring with 111 points, and you talked about the addition of Shane Wright, 37 points in 20 games. He's been, that's, those are pretty impressive numbers. He's been a good fit there. Yeah, absolutely. He, uh, you know, he's a kid that, 
Um, you know, when they brought him in, he played a handful of games and he was in and out of the lineup a little bit with a bit of a bit of a nagging injury. But, um, you know, every time he's been in the lineup, he's been outstanding and, you know, exactly what you would expect out of, uh, you know, a kid that started the year in the NHL, got in a handful of games with Seattle and then and then came back. And, you know, he's one of those kids that he seems like he's taken um, you know, getting sent back to junior in the, the best way possible. He's come in, he's played real good hockey, and, you know, he's he's looked real good. So, you know, he's been, like you said, he's been the absolute ideal fit for uh, for Windsor here since uh, since getting acquired prior to the deadline. All right, so if uh, you think there is a possibility Kitchener could pull it off, it, it would come down to goaltending. I don't want to uh, put words in your mouth. That That really is what it comes down to, you think? I, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kitchener brings in Marco Costantini, who was uh, an OHL champion last year with with Hamilton, and you know, he's a kid that's obviously got some good experience, and he's a kid that could steal a couple of games. And um, you know, if Windsor doesn't get the goaltending, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an issue for them for sure in the in this series with the amount of weapons that uh, the Kitchener has. London is uh, squaring off against Owen Sound, and in the standings. A similar split here. Uh, London had 92 points. Owen Sound coming in seventh with 73 points. Is London the heavy favorite, or could you give uh, Owen Sound a bit of a uh, a fighting chance? I, I I would say London is probably the heavy favorite in this one. Uh, you know, that's a, a a team that's you know top to bottom is real solid. They've uh, you know their goaltending and Brett Brochu as an OA is is really good. Um, you know, on the blue line there, you know, they're real solid. They've got some NHL prospects and, you know, guys like, uh, guys like Logan Mayhew, um, the Montreal first rounder, um, you know, Isaiah George, who's, uh, an Islanders fourth rounder has been, it's been good for them. So on the blue line there, you know, they're pretty, pretty solid. Um, you know, and up front, they, for me, I really like the additions they made, uh, bringing guys uh, like George Diaco, Ryan Humphrey, Ryan Winterton, who's a Seattle prospect. Bringing those guys in from, from Hamilton is huge. Um, so you, you know, much like Kitchener bringing in Constantine, you bring in three guys that uh, you know that were on an OHL champion last year and know how to win in the playoffs. And you know, for me, I I, I always like teams that that kind of bring in those types of guys because those are guys that obviously know how to win. Um, you know, Owen Sound is uh, you know is a team where there's some talent there. I mean, obviously Colby Barlow is the uh, the big name. He's an NHL draft prospect for this uh, this summer's draft, and um, you know they're going to lean heavily on uh, on a guy like him in this series. Um, you know, do I do I do I think that Owen Sound could give London a bit of a run? Yes, but uh, you know I, I I don't know that they necessarily quite have the depth um to um you know to maybe uh maybe pull this series out but uh you know i wouldn't be shocked if there was some some tight games um you know guys like cedric gindon and uh and owen sound has been real good Servak petrovsky's a minnesota pick has been it's been solid for them offensively as well so you know that's a team that i think is going to make life difficult in in some ways for london but i i i don't expect them to. Uh, I don't, don't expect them to come out of this series against the Knights. Based on the final standings in the Western Conference, it, it really looks like there's three teams. It's a, a top-heavy conference. That third team, the Sarnia Sting, who uh, finished with 91 points. That's just three back of Windsor for top spot. Uh, Sarnia gets the Guelph Storm in the first round, and that's a team that really, I think, had higher expectations at the start of the year, certainly than where they ended up, and uh, traded off a bunch of pieces. Uh, and Sarnia has been playing some really good hockey down the stretch. Uh, this one, on paper, maybe a, a quick series, at least from the outside looking in. That's my that's my thought. 
Yeah, I, and I get that vibe too, in in, in a sense. Um, you know, this is a Guelph team that, like you said, had you know extremely high expectations. A lot of the talk prior to the year was, you know, that this was a team that could potentially be, you know, one of the top teams in the Western Conference. Um, you know, a lot of people had them winning their division. Um, you know, and that's a division with, you know, with London and Kitchener as well. Um, you know, a lot of people expected them to be really good. And like you said, they, you know, they, they struggled right out of the gate. They played better hockey in the second half. But, um, you know, this is a team that traded off some pieces. We mentioned Danny Jokin earlier, who has started the year in, in Guelph. They traded Sasha Pastajov, who's actually a, a Sarnia Sting now as well. Um, so this is going to be, uh, you know, this isn't going to be an easy series for them. I, I really like Sarnia. I'm probably... Um, you know, higher than, you know, higher on Sarnia than a lot of teams in the West. Um, you know, I, I really like the moves they made to bring in, you know, bringing in Pastajov was, was a great move. He's been great for them and bringing in a guy like uh, Ethan Del Mastro, the Chicago pick is, has been huge. I mean, Ethan Del Mastro just adds to that blue line so well, and he does so many different things really well. Uh, you know, that's a great pickup and, you know, a guy who maybe, you know, as far as trade deadline acquisitions was maybe a little under the radar is Luca Del Belbelus, who came over at the same time as Del Mastro from Mississauga to Sarnia. And, you know, he's a guy who, you know, gives them a good solid center, a good solid top six forward, um, you know, and, and a guy who, who can give them some offense as well. So, you know, this is a tar- Sarnia team that can score a lot of goals. Um, you know, Ben Godreau, when the team's playing well, Ben Godreau is, you know, a good guy to have in goal there. He's a guy who, you know, maybe his numbers don't necessarily reflect how good he's been at times for, for them. And they've got a pretty veteran blue line that's, you know, heavy, big, tough to play against. It's uh, certainly a team that's going to be, be a, lot of, uh, a lot of trouble for a lot of teams in the playoffs, in, in my mind. Could they be a team that comes out of the Western Conference? I mean, I, I guess it's, as I said, so tight at the top, it's hard to really pick a, 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 a favorite and especially if it goes as the standings uh, would lay out, London and Sarnia would have to play each other in the second round, and that's a tough one to come out of. Well, and, and that's just it. I mean, for me, and I, I had this conversation with uh, another reporter locally in the Sioux uh, a couple weeks ago, and, you know, for, for me, I look, at, I look at Sarnia's roster, and there's just something about them. And I know this is a team that's, you know, other years where they've loaded up, they've ended up being disappointing in the playoffs. But there's just, there's, I, I get this vibe from the Sarnia team. And, you know, they, they came in a lot in the second half here to, to play the Greyhounds. And they just looked, you know, there were times where they looked really, really good. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, I like their blue line a lot just with, you know, with guys like Del Mastro. And then they have, you know, Nolan Dillingham's a real tough defenseman to play against. He's an OA. He's a, you know, a big body, physical, just makes life difficult on a lot of forwards. And, you know, in a seven game series that, uh, you know, that can wear down even the most skilled of guys. So, um, you know, I, I think the Sarnia team is definitely a team that, uh, you know, has got what it takes to, to make a, a run here this year and, and maybe get to a league final or potentially even winning a league title. Last uh, series in the opening round uh, in the Western Conference uh, sees Saginaw taking on the Flint Firebirds. There is nothing really to separate these two teams. Uh, two points in the standings between the fourth and fifth place uh, clubs. Saginaw will have home ice. Is that a potentially a, a difference maker? Do you expect this one to be a, a long series? 
I a hundred percent I do. Um, you know, and I, and I think home ice in, in this series will, you know, it always plays a role. I mean, let's face it, you know, anytime you get into a, a seventh game and this is certainly a, a series that could get to seven games, I would would not be shocked by that at all. Um, you know, the home ice factor is always, um, you know, is always going to be there. Um, you know, I think in a series like this too, the other thing is, um, you know, Flint and, and Saginaw, and I, I'm not sure the exact distance, but, you know, I think they're relatively, they're about a half hour apart in, in Michigan. So, you know, both teams, the nice thing is, is both teams fans tend to travel well for games between the two clubs. So, you know, that adds an, another even in, more interesting element to it is just, you know, fans on the road and that rivalry between two Michigan clubs, right? Um, you know, as far as, as far as talent-wise, I mean, I, I, I like Saginaw's roster at this point. Uh, you know, I know they, they deal Pavel Minchikov, the Anaheim prospect to Ottawa, but, um, you know, this is a team that's still got some good pieces. Obviously, Michael Meese is the, you know, the big name is the exceptional player status and had a great year. But, you know, up front they've got, uh, you know, Matias Zapovalov, who's a Vegas prospect, who's had a good year. Hunter Haight came over from Barry earlier in the year, and he's been real good since uh, since the trade. His offensive numbers have been great. And, um, you know, on the blue line, Zane Perex, obviously the big name is uh, as a 16-year-old. He's a 20-goal scorer, which is, you know, not not very easy to do even for the 18 and 19 year olds in the league so for a kid to come in at his age and and do that is pretty impressive and in goal andrew oak and tristan lennox have been solid lennox is um an islanders prospect and you, you shift over to the flint side i mean that's uh that's a team that uh you know maybe is a little bit under the radar just when you consider and even saginaw a bit in terms of you know just you have those big top three in the uh in the west but you know, it's a team they add Nolan Dan, who's a bit of an offensive threat from Niagara. They've got, you know, a big body in Riley Pierce, who's an overage, is tough to play against. Um, you know, Zachary Giroux, who's, uh, you know, a small guy at 5'6", but, uh, you know, provides a lot of offense. And obviously the big guy up front for them is Amadeus Lombardi, a Detroit pick, who's you know, a 100-point guy. And, you know, is real tough and makes life real difficult in terms of uh, the offensive side. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a series that if any of the ones in the first round in the West, I would ex- almost expect to go seven. This is probably the one because, like you said, they finished so close in the standings, and um, you know, even positionally, these teams match up against each other pretty well. And um, you know, I certainly expect this series to go probably. If it goes any less than six, I'll be I'll be surprised. And you know, it's almost like one of those series where you could flip a coin either way to uh, to decide who's going to win. Michael Misa missed, what, about uh, a month and a half uh, at the end of the season, but did get back and played five games, and if there was any rust to shake off, it, it didn't take him long. I think he had six points in the in the final <laughs> five games of the season. Now, I know Saginaw had traded off a bunch of pieces. They're not in it to win it this year, but they're building for next year. They're hoping to be hosting the Memorial Cup next year. How important is it for them, you know, one round of playoff experience, get a victory, get into the second round, and, and you know, it goes from there. Just Sometimes it's get in and anything can happen. But just getting experience yeah. under their belt this year to benefit them next year, it's got to be huge. Yeah, no question. I mean, I, I, I've always said that, that, um, you know, if for, for any team that's, you know, looking to make a long run, be it a year or two in the future – even one round of, of playoffs at, at this level can can make a difference. And, you know, this is a team that doesn't necessarily stand to to lose a lot next year, um, you know, as far as off their current roster. Because, mm-hmm. you know, this is a team when you, you mentioned a guy like Misa who came in as an underage, Prex, a, a 16-year-old, uh, 
you know, they should get Hayton Sapavalo back in the lineup next year. Uh, you know, a kid like Caleb Mangoni is in 04 and came in out of the, uh, the U18 draft here in, uh, in Ontario has, has had a decent year offensively. And any little bit of experience like that can go a long way, especially when we're dealing with, you know, teenage hockey players where their development can take, you know, big steps over a few months. And yeah, absolutely, this, this experience is going to be huge to get into the playoffs and even get one or two rounds in. Your expectation for uh, the the team coming out of the West, though, to get to the OHL final, I, I, I'm guessing it's Sarnia, just the way that you were talking about them. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm on record. Uh, I'm on record as uh, being on the Sarnia bandwagon, so to speak. Um, you know, I, I I feel like it's going to be a, a Sarnia London Western Conference final, and Sarnia getting through. Um, you know, and like I said, not to count out Windsor. I mean, I expect them to be tough to play against, but definitely Sarnia is my uh, definitely Sarnia is my pick out of the West. How could uh, how could London and Sarnia meet in the Western Conference Final? Wouldn't they have to play in the second round? Or yeah, I'm thinking London Windsor. Sorry, yeah, I'm thinking Windsor London, and then Windsor into the Western Conference Final. But like it's okay. it's so tough, right? It's um, you know, I, like I said, I mean, I, I I would expect Windsor a lot, or Windsor Sarnia rather in the Western Conference Final, but then okay. London Sarnia round two, and um, that's going to be that's going to be a good series if it gets there for sure. For sure. All right, let's skip over to the Eastern Conference. And I know they're probably the teams you didn't see as much this year, uh, but we'll we'll go we'll do what we can. Uh, the Ottawa 67s yeah. have been the top team in the OHL from wire to wire. Uh, they ended up with 107 points. Uh, this year, they're taking on the Oshawa Generals in the first round, who only had 58 points. Uh, I'm guessing this could be over in, uh, well, it's a best of seven, so three and a half games? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, this Ottawa team's a, a lot of fun to watch. I mean, they, when, when they were in here early in the year, they, uh, you know, they, they had a tough, a tough go against the Greyhounds earlier in the year, and, you know, a game went to a long shootout, but I, I still came away from that game impressed with them, even though it was against, uh, you know, it was a shootout decision against, uh, you know, a pretty lower ranked team at that point. But, um, you know, again, this is a team, an Ottawa team that, you know, they have Logan Morrison, who's another one of those Hamilton Bulldogs guys that, uh, you know, that won a, a league title last year. It's It's been a nice deal for them. He's had a little bit of uh, injury concerns at times, but he seems to be uh, seems to be on the healthy side now going into the playoffs. So, um, you know, that's obviously a, a, a big move for them. And um, we mentioned Pavel Minchikov, the Anaheim prospect coming over from uh you know, from Saginaw earlier, and he's a kid that adds to uh, adds to a blue line that uh, you know doesn't necessarily have you know the big names that uh, you know say even a, a Sarnia might and a guy like Del Mastro, but you know adding Minchikov to a team that's already got a, a guy like Jack Matier, who's a Nashville prospect and was a World Junior member, is a, a big body and does a lot of things real well. That's a you know that's a blue line that may not have the uh, the standout names, but you know, you take two guys like that and an overage like Anthony Costantini, and they've got, you know, three real solid D pairings, um, you know, so far. And their goaltending has been, um, you know, again, two guys that aren't necessarily big names in Max Denoso and Colin McKenzie, but, you know, they're guys that on a team that's played this well, they've done the job where it's basically just makes the, make the stops you're supposed to. And, you know, these guys seem to do exactly that uh, all year. And, um, you know, Oshawa's uh, you know, probably a couple years away from, 
you know, from being a real threat. Um, you know, a guy like Callum Ritchie, who's up for the draft this summer, has been um, real good for them. Beckett Seneca, who's uh, an 06, has uh, had a real good year offensively um, for them. So, you know, there's there's some fun pieces there. There's some good guys to watch. But, you know, like you said, I don't I don't anticipate them making, uh, making this any sort of a, a long series at this point. All right, next up would be the North Bay Battalion. Uh, taking on the Mississauga Steelheads, and uh, much like you're uh, very bullish on the Sarnia Sting, uh, recent guests on the show have talked up uh, the North Bay Battalion a lot, uh, and uh, could could see them conceivably coming out of the uh, the Eastern Conference. Uh, tell me about this matchup, though, and uh, how you size it up. Yeah, you know what I mean. North Bay, I'm you know relatively high on them as well. Uh, you know, I like some of the some of the moves they made this year. They had uh, you know a guy like Josh Bloom, who's now a, a Vancouver Canucks prospect, originally drafted by Buffalo, and you know they added him from Saginaw earlier in the year, and um, you know he fit in real well. And you know, there's been some points where this North Bay team has had some injuries. Uh, Justin Ertel, who's a Dallas star third rounder from a couple years back, uh, you know, he was out for a little bit of a stretch and he's a, a, you know, a guy who brings a couple different dimensions for them. And, you know, for, for the Western listeners, Madve Petrov, who's an Oilers prospect has been really, really good for them offensively. Um, you know, so so North Bay's got a got a good group there, and you know on the blue line, I mean, people like talk about Ty Nelson, who's a Seattle third rounder from uh, from last summer, who's been great for them. And um, this is a this is a North Bay blue line that you know they've got some experience. They added uh, you know they added a couple guys, and uh, you know a, a guy like Luke Brostowski who came out of the Sioux, who's you know just getting back into the lineup now, added some good depth for them, and. Um, you know, in goal, Dom DiVincentis has been real good for them. He's a Winnipeg prospect. And, um, you know, top to bottom, they're, uh, they're going to be a tough team in the East for sure. Um, you know, f- for my money, they're the top two teams in the East, uh, them in Ottawa, no doubt. Um, you know, for Mississauga, again, they went young this year. But the nice thing for them is that the youth has been uh, – the youth that they've added has been really good. Uh, they had a guy like Jack Van Bolsen from Peterborough, uh, you know, and when, when trading on Beck, and, you know, he's had a good year. Porter Martone came from Sarnia as part of the uh, the deals with uh, Del Bell Blues and Del Mastro, and he's been real good for them offensively. Uh, you know, this is a team that kind of like Oshawa where, you know, in a couple of years, this team's really probably going to be pretty fun to watch. Um you know Parker von Richter is uh, he's an 06 on the blue line that you know could be uh, could be a fun guy to watch in a, in a couple of years as well um you know again Mississauga they're a team that you know they were okay in the second half but uh, I I don't anticipate them giving uh North Bay a long run but right. um you know this is probably a series that'll end up you know five or six games North Bay coming out but uh you know it'll be a good test for North Bay to you know, kind of get a little bit of a push in the opening round. All right. Then we've got the Barry Colts taking on uh, the defending champs, the Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, much different Hamilton team, though, this year. Do they have, do they pose any risk at all to the Barry Colts? I, you know what? I, I, I don't think so. And it's more because of how good Barry's been in the second half than, uh, you know, the, than the Hamilton roster. I mean, this is a, a Hamilton team that they unloaded this year. I mean, we mentioned some of the guys that have, have been dealt and, um, you know, you go through their roster and it's obviously, like you said, very different from uh, what anybody saw last year uh, during their long run into the Memorial cup. But, you know, guys like Sahil Panwar is going to, you know, going to play a role for them. Florian Jackai, who's Arbor's younger brother, uh, you know, plays a bit of a bit of a similar game only as a forward, but um 
you know, he's a tough guy to play against, but I, I don't anticipate this Hamilton team, uh, you know, giving, giving Barry, uh, you know, a long push here in, in round one. Um, you know, this is a Barry team that when we talked uh, around trade deadline, I wasn't completely sold on the moves they made. And, you know, I'll admit the moves that they made have paid off pretty well for them. Uh, you know, I know Braden Hashi was a guy that, uh, you know, I, I didn't know necessarily that he was going to be the perfect fit for them, but he's turned out real solid on that blue line and getting Brand Clark back has been huge, obviously. Yeah. But uh, this is a Barry team that since the deadline, they've been, uh, you know, I think the, the math worked out that they've been one of the best teams in the league since the ta- trade deadline. Them and Sarney have been, you know, two of the hottest teams basically since January 10. And, um, you know, that's not by accident. I mean, this team made some moves that didn't necessarily jump out at people in some ways, but, you know, in some cases it's, you know, it's not the big moves, it's the right ones. And, um, you know, these moves that they made bringing in, uh, you know, bringing in guys like Hashi, bringing in a guy like, you know, Tyler Savard, who's taken on a very different role than the one he had in the Sioux. Um, You know, the the moves have have paid off real well. And, you know, this is a team that, uh, you know, if they stay healthy, it's, you know, at least, at least, you know, a couple rounds are in their future. It's obviously going to be tough because it would be a, you know, a situation if all the top seeds get through, um, you know, they would likely be looking at playing North Bay in round two. And, um, you know, that's going to be, you know, a very interesting series if it gets to that point. But like I said earlier, I mean, I, I expect Barry to, you know, come out and beat Hamilton. I, I, but I do expect that Hamilton would give them a bit of a push, but, you know, nothing of any sort of great significance. It's huge that they got uh, Brent Clark back from uh, the LA Kings. Sixty-one points in just thirty-one games this year. It's it's basically two points a game, and he's a defenseman. I mean, that's that is uh, uh, my friend Andrew Peard, uh, who uh, broadcasts uh, the Oil King games. He would uh, refer to him as the uh, nuclear option. Uh, he's such a difference maker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no question about it. That that was absolutely absolutely massive and you know we always talk in in junior about guys coming back from the nhl and um you know we we look at it as you know do they take it the right way and you know we talked about shane wright earlier handling it as as best possible and brand clark's the exact same way uh you know on on the blue line he you know he took getting sent back in the absolute best possible way and you know for him it's a, it's a good experience to come back and dominate junior like this and you know have a have a year like this and get a even you know even if it's a two or three rounds of playoffs it'll be a good little run for uh for him with Barry it's uh you know it's a massive massive addition for the Colts for sure all right last uh, series in the opening round could be a pretty good one Peterborough against Sudbury and uh, what do you like uh, what are you watching for when the Peets and the Wolves get together yeah, you know what, for me, I, I and it was funny because Sudbury was in the Sioux the last day of the, the OHL regular season last weekend, and um, they needed a win to move up from, I believe they were the seventh seed at the time. Um, so they end up beating the Greyhounds, and, you know, kind of the running joke was, you know, for Sudbury, this was the best-case scenario because they avoided playing North Bay and um, North Bay and Barry in round one. Um you know, this is probably the better fit for Sudbury in some ways, just because, you know, Peterborough's kind of been a Jekyll and Hyde team this year. Um, you know, for for me, they've, you know, they're a team, they add, you know, a guy like Brennan Othman early in the year from, uh, you know, from Flint. Um, you know, he's a guy who's a Rangers first rounder. They, you know, they added Chase Stillman last year. Um, you know, they added one Beck from Mississauga, who's a Montreal prospect. And, you know, this is a team that added some big names, but, uh, you know, they add Gavin White, who's another one of those Hamilton guys uh, from last year. And, you know, this is a team that 
there's been very high expectations and it's, it, it feels like they've had trouble meeting those expectations. And, uh, you know, I, I know as a, you know, as a four or five, if Sudbury were to win, people wouldn't necessarily look at it as, as an upset, but considering the expectations, I mean, this would certainly be, you know, a series that Sudbury could potentially come out of, um, you know, for me, I mean, I, I look at, just the way Peterborough has been this year, that there are some nights where they look like a championship team. And there are other nights where you're looking at them and you're thinking, you know, almost in the Kitchener sense in some ways where, you know, why did you make these moves? Because, you know, this is a team that doesn't look like they have what it takes to make a run. So, um, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is one of those series that I, I, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like Peterborough probably ends up coming out of it in the long run, but, um, you know, would I be shocked if Sudbury upset them this round? Not a chance. Who gets it done for Sudbury if uh, if they're going to have success? Who leads the way for them? Yeah, I mean, a guy like David Goyette, who's uh, who's a Seattle prospect, has been you know obviously a big guy for them uh, this year. He's an 04 birth year. He's been uh, you know real good offensively. Uh, you know. Draft prospects for this year, Quentin Musty's been really, really good. He was the first overall pick in uh, 2021's OHL draft. He's been great for them. And the nice thing for them is, is Sudbury's getting a, a couple of regulars back in the lineup to start the playoffs. Uh, Ethan Larma, who's uh, in 03, a late 03 birth here. Um, he's, a, he's a veteran guy. He's got a bit of a physical side. He uh, he got hit with an eight-game suspension uh, after a game actually here in the Sioux um, so his suspension just wrapped up at the end of the regular season. So that's big for them to get him back in the lineup. Uh, you know, and a guy like Jabril Touré, who's a free agent signing. He was out of, uh, he was out of Quebec. He's an old three birth year. Um, you know, he came in, he's a big body, six foot seven, little on the lanky side. I think he's just over 200 pounds, but you know, he's a guy who, Anytime, it feels like anytime there's a scrum, anytime there's a little bit of, you know, a physical play or anything like that, he's right in that mix. And, um, you know, getting him back, he was out for, for a bit due to suspension as well. But getting him back is going to be big for them as well. And, um, you know, overage goaltender Kevin Brassard has been uh, been good for, for them at times this year as well. He came out of uh, Quebec. He's got some major junior experience. And, um, you know, Nate Krawchuk, who's... Uh, U18 pick from uh, from last summer. You know, he's kind of come in almost under the radar a little bit and had a good year for them. So, um, you know, this is a Sudbury team that uh, you know, if guys like that stand out for them, it uh, you know could make, uh, like I said earlier, could make things difficult for Peterborough for sure. All right, Brad, you said uh, Sarnia to take out Windsor in the Western Conference Final. Who will they meet in the Eastern Conference Final uh, or uh, in the overall OHL Final? But who are the last two teams standing in the East before that? Yeah, for me, for me, it's you know as much as I like Barry and as much as, as you know as much as I've liked the way they've played in the second half, um, you know for for me, I feel like it's you know it's going to be a one-two in Ottawa and North Bay. Yeah. Um, I, I I have this I have this feeling that that North Bay is going to end up surprising Ottawa in the, in the conference final. Um, you know, like I said, I, I I feel like you know even though there's not necessarily some of the you know, the bigger names that, you know, some of the Ottawa guys are that's, uh, you know, it's a real good team that, that Adam Dennis has put together um, the GM over there in North Bay. And, um, you know, I, I feel like that'll be, you know, that'll be those two conference finals will be absolutely outstanding with, with those, those four teams for sure. All right. And your prediction for overall OHL champ? 
you know what? I'm going to go, I, as much as I want to stay in Northern Ontario and pick North Bay, I'm going to go with Sarnia. I just, uh, like I said earlier, I like their uh, I, I like their blue line a lot, and and in a seven game series, I feel like their you know the physicality of their blue line makes uh, makes a difference. Fantastic, Brad. I can't argue with you. Those were the two teams I was kind of looking at as well. So <laughs> it's not good radio when the hosts uh, when the t- and the host and the guest agree on everything. But um, yeah, I'm <laughs> with you. I think goaltending is going to be big, and both of those teams you could argue might have the the veteran uh, experience and the best uh, goaltending. Um, in the OHL uh, when it comes to the playoffs. So uh, I got North Bay and uh, Sarnia in the final. I'll, I'll go to North Bay. How about that? Just to, so we're a little bit different. Uh, yeah, you know what? But it's like the same. Though. Great minds think alike, right? That's it. <laughs> Brad, this has been fun, man. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, great uh, setup for the OHL playoffs. Thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me on. Always uh, always a pleasure. Brad Cochamilio from Sue Today. He is our uh, guest to break down the OHL uh, playoff scenarios. And I can't really argue with this, but interestingly, though, that the number one team in both conferences does not get the prediction uh, to come out of those conferences. So that's pretty interesting. It very well could end up being Ottawa and Windsor in the OHL championship series. But interestingly, uh, it's North Bay and Sarnia that uh, that he's looking at. And I... I'm kind of influenced by not just his choices, but remember we had Brock Otten on the show not that long ago, and he spoke very highly of both North Bay and uh, Starnia as well. And those two clubs playing very strong hockey uh, down the stretch. Let me know your picks. Hit me up on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy. Next up, we're doing the WHL, the Western Hockey League, and uh, joining me is my broadcast partner, Andrew Peer, the voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings. We'll tackle the dub Next, here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Feist off the boards to center. Now over the blue line, Bedard, high slot, drag. What a move, Bedard! Through the legs! Scores! What a beautiful goal by Connor Bedard in Calgary! Holy smokes! I'm Connor Bedard to the Regina Pass, and this is the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show. Calling an audible at the line. The last uh, segment I said we were going to go to the WHL next. We're actually going to do the Q and we'll finish things off uh, with the WHL. Uh, reminder, The Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. All right. In the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh, some great races in the regular season right at the top of both conferences uh, and uh, our guide to the playoffs in the queue is Jamie Tozer. Uh, Jamie, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Guy. I appreciate uh, you being available like this uh, for the listeners' uh, benefit. Uh, real short notice that you were able to uh, join me this week, so I appreciate that. 
Uh, you've got, of course, the, the blog at Station Nation. You're also uh, co-hosting uh, the new put- the podcast for the Hockey News uh, covering the queue. Uh, so you're well-versed in this, and I know uh, at that podcast, your playoff preview has just come out, so uh, fans should uh, check that out mm-hmm. as well. Let's start with that. What I was mentioning at the top, the, the regular season race to the finish line was pretty interesting between Sherbrooke and Gatineau and with Quebec and Halifax. Uh, and it ended, Sherbrooke and Gatineau actually tied with 105 points uh, and just two points between Quebec and Halifax. But usually we're talking about those interesting races to get into the playoffs. This is all about seeding at the top. That was pretty exciting. Yeah, great finish. Came right down to the, the last weekend. And, um, you know, kind of unfortunate that the, the race at the very top between Quebec and Halifax kind of ended uh, a few days before the last last couple of days. But um that race in the top of the Western Conference for uh, the three and four seeds came right down to it. Um, huge matchup earlier in the week between Sherbrooke and Gatineau that had uh, Sherbrooke winning and mm-hmm. um, played a key role in Sherbrooke uh, eventually winning that higher seed. And uh, we'll see uh, down the road if uh, if having home ice advantage at some point uh, plays a key role here. All right. Well, we're probably a couple of rounds away from finding that out uh, for sure. Uh, let's look yeah. at the first round of the matchups. Uh, in uh, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh, the Quebec Rampart are taking on a Charlottetown. Uh, maybe we'll just start there, and and uh, I think on paper everybody's expecting this to be fairly easy for Quebec. Do you see it that way? Yeah, I don't think the Ramparts are going to have a, a lot of trouble in this series. Um, Charlottetown team that made it all the way to league final last year and uh, really entered a rebuild this year and, and traded away what pieces they had left. Uh, Jim Holton, though, is, is an excellent coach in Charlottetown. He really coaches that, that playoff-style hockey all year. Um, so that's always a threat and a consideration. But uh, Charlottetown just doesn't quite have the, the horses this year to, to really pull off uh, a major upset like this, I don't think. Uh, they do have you know pretty good goaltending in Jacob Robillard. Uh, he's had a pretty good season since joining the Islanders. Uh, so, you know, it's certainly, certainly a threat for, Charlotte, for uh, Quebec in some games. But um, Quebec's just so deep. Um, you know, they, they might not have the, the huge star power that, um, you know, Sherbrooke and Gatineau have, but they're a really, really deep team. Um, and I think they're going to go pretty far in the playoffs. So I, I don't think the Ramparts are going to have a lot of trouble with the Islanders in this round. The Islanders being where they are, that's kind of to be expected. They were finalists last year and you can't, it's pretty tough yeah. in junior hockey to, to repeat that all the time. So this was not to be unexpected if you're an Islander fan. Yeah. Definitely not. And, you know, the Islanders, they've done a pretty good job since Jim Holden came in a few years ago. They've, they've really been a team that's uh, been able to stay above 500 and been, you know, a team that's made it to the, the second round of playoffs quite often. Um, but, you know, eventually that just catches up to you. And this was, this was a really a rebuild year. Um, certainly some positives. They, they, you know, they have some good young players. They were able to find uh, um, some Ontario guys, which Jim Holden has done quite frequently since joining the Islanders. So, Certainly some optimism for the future, but it, it's just not their year. Staying out east, uh, Jamie, uh, Halifax will square off against Cape Breton. And, and I guess on paper, again, we'd probably think with this, just a, looking at the separation between these two teams in the regular season standings, a uh, fairly short series in favor of Halifax. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, this this could be a fun series, though. The two uh, Nova Scotia rivals, they haven't played each other in the playoffs in a while. Um, obviously know each other really well. And the Eagles did give the Mooseheads um, a bit of trouble uh, in a few games during the regular season. Um, and, you know, I'm sure they're going to try and, and crank up that physicality, especially on uh, Zach LaRue, who, who we know uh, yeah. struggles sometimes finding that line. 
Uh, so we know the Eagles, um, they're going to try and get some resets off their game. But um, Halifax, again, I think is, is a team that's poised for a deep playoff run here. Really, really deep team. Certainly some question marks uh, on how good their defensive depth is. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a huge, uh, huge problem in this round. And uh, Kate Breton, you know, they, they had a really rough uh, first half, uh, really kind of got thrown off um, when their, their season kind of got uh, started in late because of the hurricane that hit, mm-hmm. uh, really threw them off in the first half. But they, they rebounded quite well in the second half, um, kind of ended up where a lot of us thought they would end up. Um, at the end of the day, and, and certainly some optimism that this Eagles core uh, is uh, looking good in the future. Sometimes when you get two arch rivals together, you can almost throw out the season record. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't think that you know, yeah. there's enough depth for Cape Breton. They might give it a go and put a scare into Halifax here or there, but overall it's it's got to be the Moosehead's depth that wins out. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I, I think I could see there being a couple games here and there um, that are maybe tight, but uh, I, I don't think Halifax is, is going to have uh, uh, too many scares in this series, and I, I think it'll be a, a pretty short series. Okay, moving on, but staying in the East, you get Moncton against uh, Baycomo, and uh, on paper, again, well, you tell me, how much is there to pick between these two clubs? Because they're not separated in the standings by all that much. Yeah, this is an intriguing matchup. Uh, the, the Wildcats, uh, if you told me at the beginning of the year they'd be the three seed, um, I would have thought that they wouldn't have any trouble in the first round, but it's it's been a, a rough ride at times in Moncton this season. Um, had a really rough stretch uh, early in the second half of the year, um, but really turned it around over the last month or so. Um, so they're you know they're kind of a, an intriguing team. We don't really know what to expect um, from them in the playoffs, but if they can keep the momentum they got they had in the last month, I think they're looking pretty good. Um, and you could probably make the argument that they're maybe a little bit better than what their record shows. Hmm. Um, but Bay Camo is also a really intriguing team, quite a young team. Uh, but they've got some really high-end young talent um, led by Justin Poirier, who's who's looking like he's going to be a real star in this this league. Um, finished second in rookie goals this year, 28 goals as a 16-year-old. Um, really bright future head, brother of uh, Jeremy Poirier, Calgary Flames prospect. Um, and and you know, Bakemo is a really tough place to play um, any at any given time, but especially in the playoffs. Um, I think if Bakemo can leave Moncton with a split in the first two games, go back to Bakemo for three games, um, that could be a really this could be a really interesting series. I, I think Bakemo is is going to give Moncton uh, quite a run here. Uh, they're so they're playing two three two. Yep, this is a two three two. It's not that great of a distance between those two cities, is it? I, I'm surprised by that. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a drive, especially you know when you got got a ferry involved and stuff like that. Okay. So, uh, um, <laughs> it's not it's not the the most fun drive to do in the winter. It's a nice drive though in the fall. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not a short distance, and I I think that that could be uh, again if Bakemo can get a split in those first two games. Uh, For sure. Um, three, four, five games could be interesting. Goaltending could be a big story. Who's got the advantage there? Yeah, that's an interesting one too. Uh, you know, Jacob Steinman uh, really stole the job in Moncton uh, uh, from Vincent Fillion, who had a—I don't know if I want to say a disappointing year, but um, you know, kind of came. Steinman really came out of nowhere um, this year, kind of an unknown. Um, had a really good season. I would argue, you know, arguably Moncton's most important player all year, other than Etienne Morin. So. Um, I'm curious to see what he can do in the playoffs. Um, you know, definitely one of the better goaltending stories that we've seen in the league this season. 
All right, then moving on, we've got uh, Shikudemi against Ramuski, and that seems like it's uh, another sort of regional uh, rivalry there that should be pretty interesting. Yeah, this one, I think this one's going to kind of be the the, the stereotypical uh, Quebec League atmosphere. I think we're going to see some pretty rowdy buildings uh, for this one. I think uh, it's going to be a really great series, uh, separated by just one point in the overall standings. But I think uh, that one point could be really important. Shikudemi has home ice in this series. Um, they play on the big ice in Shikudemi. Um, finished 21-10-2-1 at home this year. Really good home record. Um, so that could play a, a big role in this series. Um, Shikudemi, uh, a good young team. No, they're definitely not um, a team that's going for it this year, but a team that uh, is going to look good in the future. Um, and Maxi Massey had a great season as a 16-year-old. 62 points in 65 games. So almost, uh, almost a point per game as a 16-year-old. He's a Ramuski native, too. Um, which adds a bit of intrigue to this series as well. Um, but Ramuski, uh, it's it's hard for me to bet against them after seeing what they did last year against St. John um, in the first round, upsetting the Memorial Cup hosts in five games. That was a best of five series. Um, you know, Serge Beausoleil is an excellent coach. Seems like he can get his team to to buy into whatever system they need to do to to win a series, and we know that they're going to be very defensive minded. Um, so. It, this is going to be a really tight series. I could see this one going either way, uh, but we'll see what happens. A couple of young teams, uh, or at least youngish teams, uh, the playoff experience of getting to the next round just so it just really important to build uh, for next season. Uh, yeah, and get that experience under your belt goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely, and that's you know that's kind of what I wonder if, if maybe a slight edge to Ramuski in this series, just given what they went through last year, right? Um, to beat St. John in that really intense first round series. Um, I do wonder if that could could play a role, but um, yeah, either way, you know, even if this goes seven games, uh, a great a great uh, great run for even the losing team. All right, next one on my sheet to look at is uh, Sherbrooke against uh, Blainville Boisbriand. What a great battle, though, right down to the end. I don't know if that carries over. It's sometimes we talk about you know playing meaningful games late in the season like that that gives you an advantage. Well, it was super important for Sherbrooke to stay on top of their game right to the end of the year. So, is that an advantage going into the playoffs for them? Yeah, I think I think so, and you know, it's they they had a really good finish to the season, and I would think that that momentum probably is going to carry over um, a little bit. And that, you know, if I'm Sherbrooke, I think the key is just not looking ahead too far, right? Because um, I, I don't think they're going to have a lot of problems with this series. Um, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to look ahead and, and lose focus, uh, especially for a team like Sherbrooke. I'm sure they they want to keep their their systems in place because they had a really successful second half. Um, so, you know, if I'm, I'm the Phoenix, I want to just keep the, keep the pedal down and, and try and keep things as, as, uh, as smooth as possible and, uh, stay as healthy as possible. Anybody with the Armada that you think is uh, going to be a standout for them? If, if they were to have success, who has the lead? Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a rough series for them. Um, you know, they're a team that uh, had high expectations coming into the year. They had, they acquired a couple of the, the marquee overage players and Patrick Gay and Josh Lawrence and Gay ended up turning pro. Mm. Um, and then they ultimately traded Lawrence away, um, traded Alexi Gendron away as well, who was, uh, um, a high, a, a, one of the leading scorers in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got some, they've got some okay guys that could, that could maybe give, uh, um, Sherbrooke a little bit of a run, you know, Jonathan Fashion had, had over a point per game this year. Um, you know, Mikael Dennis is another good guy who's seen the league for a bit. Um, you know, in their goaltending as well, we will see if uh, if Gravel can kind of 
hold down the fort, um, and he's going to be tested, that's for sure. All right, moving on next, uh, one uh, a series that has a lot of travel, Gatineau against uh, St. John, and uh, St. John, it's the crossover here for Gatineau. The, uh, they're going to be playing the 2-3-2 format as well for obvious reasons. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. what, about mm-hmm. 11, 12-hour drive uh, from Gatineau to St. <laughs> yeah. John. Does that work in St. John's favor at all? Is that something that they can maybe use to try to find a way to, to get at the Olympique, or is are the Olympique just too good? Yeah, I, I think the the Gatineau is a little bit too good for St. John in this series. Uh, you know, you don't have to you don't have to be a, a Quebec League hardcore follower to look at Gatineau's roster. And there's there's guys you've heard of on that team. They're they're a loaded <laughs> roster. They've got tons of stars. Um, I I think I think they're a team that uh, will make it all the way to the final at least. Um, they lost one of their best defensemen before the playoffs, Noah Warren. That's, that's a pretty key loss for them. Hmm. Um, but I don't think they're going to have a lot of problems, um, getting through these first couple rounds. Uh, and I, I, I don't think it's going to be a really long series, um, against St. John and, um, St. John, like Charlottetown, a team that, you know, essentially flipped over almost their entire roster this year. It's got a, got a handful of returning guys from last year's, uh, Memorial Cup team, but, but not a ton. Um, you know, some pretty a pretty good season for a lot of their younger players. Maybe a, I would say a, as bad as their numbers may look, they they probably surpassed expectations a little bit um, at times. And I, I don't want to say that as far as that they're ahead in their rebuild, but the rebuild actually the rebuild's looking pretty good. Um, and they've certainly had worse looking rebuilds in the past. So um, if I'm St. John, just um, you know, gain some experience, try and get some some small victories. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be a very long series uh, for Gatineau. Gatineau, 23-0-1 to finish uh, the regular season. That is quite the run uh, for the Olympic. <laughs> I, I had not heard about Noah Warren. Is he done for the year, or could he come back if you know if they get uh, two, three, or all the way to the final, like you were thinking? Uh, could he be back? Yeah, it's expected that he's uh, he's going to be done for the year, which is a big loss for them. Uh, Anaheim Ducks prospect. Um, he's going to have surgery here soon, according to reports. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, a big loss for them, um, but uh, again, a really, really deep team. Um, and if there's any team that can probably overcome a loss like that, it's Gatineau. All right, another rival here, Victoriaville against Drummondville. Uh, what are you expecting from this series when uh, the Tigers and the Voltageur get together? Yeah, and Victoriaville's been such an interesting story all year. They're a team that um, we didn't expect really anything of this year, and they ended up uh, being one of the best teams in the league most of the year. Um, and then it's almost the exact opposite. Drummondville, we expected so much, so much things from them. Um, just had a really, uh, really a season that just almost everything went wrong. They're let their, ended up letting their coach go and their GM stepped down. Um, really a, a bit of a nightmare of a season in Drummondville. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a clean slate for the Volts. Um, you know, maybe they can kind of use this as a, as this clean slate is a bit of inspiration and try and turn things around to the playoffs. Um, they, you know, they still got a decent looking roster. That's just for whatever reason, not quite clicked all year. Um, but you know, maybe they can pull it together here in the playoffs, but, uh, Victoriaville, uh, one of the better teams all year. Um, a surprisingly good team, uh, really good goaltending. Nathan Darbo is one of the best goalies in the league all season, which, uh, um, you know, I think any team would probably be a little nervous facing in the playoffs. Um, but Teague didn't have a great, great finish to the year. They struggled a bit in the last month. And, um, I kind of wonder if they want to use this series, just trying to get some of that, um, swagger they had back in the first half and, 
uh, try and set themselves up for a, a big second round series. Although they did finish fifth overall, but uh, almost twenty yep. points back of uh, you know that group at the top. Pretty significant uh, uh, gap there between the uh, the upper echelon teams and the next best, uh, which would be Victoria. But one more series in the opening round to touch on would be uh, Rowan Naranda, uh, and they are taking on Shawinigan. Um, again, I don't know what to expect from from this first round series. I don't know if either one of these two teams gets past the second round. Uh, so I'm not sure that in the big picture mm-hmm. matters much. But what do you expect here? Yeah, the Huskies are, uh, you know, they're a team that uh, they have, they've mastered the the cycle and uh, they they won the Memorial Cup in 2019 and it's 2023. So you know that they're kind of in that upward swing again. Right. Um, and if there's any team, you know, I think if there's any team that can kind of challenge that top four group, I do wonder if it's Ruin Aranda. Okay. Um, pretty good roster. Um, uh, but separate 18 points separated them here, uh, separated the Huskies and Cataracts. Um, Schwinnigan's a team that, uh, obviously won the league championship last year. Uh, but you know, they still got a few good pieces left. They've got a couple of young guys who are, are, are worth looking at as well. Um, and they had a pretty decent season, all things considered, uh, coming off a, a league championship. Um, and this is a two, three, two format as well. So, uh, um, the series starts in Ruin Aranda, then it goes back to Schwinnigan for three games. And Schwinnigan's not an easy building to play in as well. So um, if Schwinnigan can get a split in those first two games in Ruin, maybe the series does get a little interesting. Um, season series is pretty tight. Um, so I, I could see this being a being a, a one of the longer series. But uh, if Ruin Aranda um, can kind of turn it on here, it could be over quick. Jamie, when when we're talking about the uh, the let's get to the semifinal. There's four teams left. If it's not, or if it is the the top four clubs, Quebec, Halifax, Sherbrooke, and Gatineau. What's the seeding? Does it does it change? Like, are they is the bracket locked in, or could I mean, would we see Quebec and Halifax potentially meeting in the final, or Sherbrooke and Gatineau, or do they have to kind of play their way out of the uh, the conferences? Yeah, once it gets to the semifinals, it's the seeding goes back to the overall standing. Okay. So, uh, um, Quebec would be one, Halifax two, Sherbrooke three, and, and Gatineau four. Okay. Uh, which is which is a little dis- which is a little disappointing for a lot of us, just because uh, a lot of us were open for a Halifax Gatineau uh, semifinal series. There's a lot of drama between the two teams, uh, uh, even though they only played each other a couple of times. They're great, great games. Um, but what we'll, we'll have to see if that uh, happens at some point in the playoffs or not. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if the top four do end up. It, it certainly looks like this season we kind of know who those top four teams are, but there's, yeah. you know, there's there's bound to be an upset somewhere. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Of those four teams, who do you think is most susceptible to be upset? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I I'd probably of the four, I'd probably have to pick Halifax just because I I, I do question their defensive depth a little bit. Um, you know, in the queue, you can kind of score your way to regular season success, but once you get to the playoffs, it's it's hard to to maintain that um, as it gets later on. So I, I do wonder about their defensive depth. Um, obviously, loaded loaded team up front, and honestly, they might be able to just keep the puck in the offensive zone enough to <laughs> to win games. But uh, I, I do I do wonder about their uh, defensive depth a little bit, and I, I know I'm not alone. I gotta insist on a uh, a Memorial Cup uh, contender uh, coming out of the queue. Who do you expect to be traveling all the way to, out to Kamloops? Pretty tough. I mean, take those four teams and pull one out of yeah. the hat. Yeah, I just def- I definitely think I have Gatineau and Sherbrooke 
um, as the two top teams. And okay. I'm, I'm going to pick Gatineau, even though without Warren, that's a big loss for them. Um, I, I just, I, I like their team a lot. Um, I think they've got kind of those playoff caliber players. Um, but boy, it's, it's, it's real tight between, uh, for me anyway, it's real tight between Gatineau and Sherbrooke. Those are two, uh, great, great teams. Um, and, and if they do end up meeting in the playoffs at some point, that's going to be a great series. And you like them both over Halifax and Quebec, eh? even though the, those two teams finished uh, atop the standings. Yeah, I do. And, you know, I, Quebec, I, 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 if they, if every team had played the same schedule, I, I do think Gatineau and Sherbrooke probably would have ended up a little bit higher. I think the, the Western Conference teams are maybe a little bit more battle tested than the Eastern Conference. And, okay. Um, you know, you look at a team like Halifax, um, you know, with the Maritimes division wasn't very good this year and they played most of their games there, um, but still had pretty good showings against Quebec based clubs. Um, but yeah, I, I do think those, even though Gatineau and Sherbrooke ended up 3-4 overall, I, I, would, I would probably put them uh, slightly above um, Quebec and Halifax. Excellent. Jamie, this has been fantastic. Thank you very much for your insight. I really appreciate it and uh, setting the stage here for what to expect in the queue. Thanks for your time. Awesome. Thanks, you. Jamie Tozer from Station Nation also does the Hockey News uh, podcast that's uh, covering the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I didn't know, like, it's a seven-hour trip or eight-hour trip between uh, Moncton and Baycomo. That's uh, that's why they're doing a 2-3-2 two, two format. Eight hours, I mean, that's not all that unusual, at least for the WHL. I guess we can't use uh, the WHL as the baseline for uh, travel in the queue. I knew it was uh, really easy travel in the Ontario Hockey League, but eight hours doesn't seem uh, all that uh, that brutal. But apparently, I guess you throw in the, the added ferry trip in there as well and i guess that makes sense gotta time that doing 232 between st john and uh, gatineau that i can understand Uh, i am curious to see i think we'll uh, look in our next segment at the whl playoffs and we'll see if uh, tri-city and prince george are doing that calgary and winnipeg are doing that we'll see and helping me uh, break down the whl playoffs my uh, broadcast partner on oil kings radio Andrew Peer, the voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings. We'll talk to him about that. Also, the uh, WHL draft lottery was held and the WHL US draft also. We have the drafting order for those as well. So we'll talk about that with Andrew Peard from the Oil Kings next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. I'm Trey Fitzwilanski of the Edmonton Oil Kings. At his own blue line now, Fitzwilanski cutting in right circle, dances around his man to his backhand, forehand, he scores! Oh my goodness, Trey Fitzwilanski! What a move, what a shot, what a goal. Oh mama. And this is the Pipeline Show. Oscar from Atchison loves Wilhawk beef jerky. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Heading to the lake. Three screaming kids in the back. Let's get ice cream, we said. Sour, soupy sundaes all over the van. But then I found Wilhawk beef jerky. Tender, seasoned pieces of meat smoked to perfection. Perfect for keeping little mouths busy. And best of all, no sloppy surprises. And I always make sure to bring a little extra to eat around the campfire. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best. 
You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Hey, it's the final segment on this week's episode of The Pipeline Show as we're previewing the CHL playoffs in uh, the Q, the O, and now the WHL. Quick reminder, Wilhock Beef Jerky, it's Alberta's best, and they are the title sponsor of The Pipeline Show. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. You can get it in three places in the Edmonton area, uh, but you can go to their website, and they'll ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. That's at wilhockbeefjerky.com. All right, my guest uh, to go through the WHL playoffs is Andrew Peard, the voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, Andrew, uh, how are you? <laughs> doing well, Guy, doing well, and uh, looking forward to uh, being back on the Pipeline show and uh, teeing up uh, this year's postseason. Well, I won't ask you to high-five me because I know that's a little bit of a sore spot for you right now. Uh, the uh, the playoffs, in the let's, we're going to start in the Eastern Conference. Uh, did you have something to say there? <laughs> no, no. Okay. You know what? Uh, all I will say is that uh, when you get into your mid-30s, maybe it's time to stop playing uh, <laughs> men's league hockey, especially if you're not going to stretch properly and uh, whatnot because you're liable to uh, dislocate a shoulder. So uh, <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> all right. Uh, we got some great series in the uh, in the opening round uh, in both conferences, but uh, let's start in the uh, Eastern Conference, and we'll go at the top. The, the first-place team, the Winnipeg Ice, uh, they are taking on the Medicine Hat Tigers. I think on paper everybody's expecting this to be a fairly short series, and I, I I think you probably agree with me, but there are some interesting players here with the with the Tigers, uh, including uh, Mr. Gavin McKenna, who is a nice little addition for them into the playoffs. But is that going to be enough? How do you set up this series? No, I, I think you nailed it. It's it's probably going to be a short series, but I think for the Medicine Hat Tigers, they're okay with that. Just talking with uh, Gino DePauli, the the voice of the Tigers, and, and Willie Desjardins. I think the goal for the Tigers heading into this year was to be playing meaningful hockey into February and March. And if they could get into the playoffs, um, that would be gravy for them. But uh, mm-hmm. I think happy to be in the postseason. But I, I don't know that they are counting on a, a big upset of the Winnipeg Ice in the first round. But you mentioned it. Uh, a lot of exciting players on that team. Gavin McKenna. I don't know if we're calling him the next one quite yet, but uh, you look at what he did as a 15-year-old. We saw it firsthand the last time we were uh, down in Medicine Hat with the Oil Kings. He had three points uh, against us, and um, you know he's going to be a very special player. And you know for him to be able to get this postseason experience at uh, just 15 years old, I think that's only going to benefit him and the Tigers moving forward. But uh, you mentioned it. I think a lot of people thinking it's going to be a short series. I think the schedule makers expecting it to be a short series because I don't know if you've noticed, but Game five and six between Winnipeg and Medicine Hat, that's on back-to-back days. That's a lot of travel. So um, I I think they're anticipating it not getting to that game six. But, (laughs) I mean, you look at the Winnipeg ice, that that roster, man, it's it's stacked. It it looks like something of an American Hockey League team roster. And, um, you know, I think the one thing for – Further down the line in the playoffs, the health of Zach Benson hasn't played since taking that hit yep. against Dawson Sites back uh, earlier in March. But um, no, I mean, they're locked and loaded. They're ready to go. They got a lot of experience, and uh, I, I think they'll be looking to try and get through the Tigers fairly quickly. They were a very deep and exciting team last year, but the Oil Kings took care of them fairly quickly in the playoffs. Do you think they, they learned anything from that series in terms of the way they built their roster this year? 100%. 100%. You look at the acquisitions. Um, they made, and it's not just with Zach Ostotchuk, who has um, tremendous playoff experience in his own right, as he helped lead that massive upset for the Vancouver Giants last year over the Everett Silvertips. But, you know, you look in guys like Easton Armstrong and Carson Latimer and, you know, even some of the younger players they brought in this year, Ashton Cumbie on defense, they're big, they're yeah. physical, they're nasty. 
That's an element Winnipeg didn't have last year. That's what made the Oil Kings so successful last year. They could play it any way you wanted. You want to run and gun, Oil Kings will do that with the best of them. You wanted to meet in the back alley and have a slugfest, the Oil Kings could do that. I think Winnipeg has a little bit more of that now this year. And, and I think certainly last year was a, a, a big opportunity for them to learn what it takes to, to put together a WHL championship team and they carry over a lot of guys that got to the third round. They add in those pieces. That's just going to make them more physically tougher. And, and I think by the time they get to the third round um, of the WHL postseason, they'll be feeling a lot better about their game than when they were staring across the ice at the Edmonton Oil Kings last year. Yeah, some interesting travel in that series. Uh, one that's uh, fairly close to geographically. We'll see the Red Deer Rebels and the Calgary Hitmen. Tell me about this series uh, from your perspective and, and who you like coming out of it. I love it. I mean, it's just a classic WHL postseason series. Yeah. Red Deer yeah. versus Calgary, it feels like, you know, you, you see that every other year at the very least. So uh, nice to see them uh, going against each other. Good to see the Calgary Hitmen sort of pull their season out of the fire there late in the year. I know they went on that massive losing streak from, what was it, late January through the month of February. But, um, you know, I know you know Steve Hamilton well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten to chat with him a few times. I know what a good guy he is. So happy to see that uh, he was able to get the, the Hitman into the postseason. Um, obviously, the Rebels are the favorites. They've been home and cooled for a long time as the top team in the Central Division. I, I would expect them to to win that series. But granted, I think the Hitmen can push them. Um, the Hitmen, I, I think their biggest issue is that they just don't have the depth up front to, to score with the Red Deer Rebels. But Riley Fiddler-Schultz, Sean Chagall, those are, are two excellent players. We'll see the health of Jacob Wright. Um, I, I think that's a guy that um, could step up and be a big piece for the Hitmen if he's able to, to be healthy in that series. Carter McAdams. Um, I, I know he's just coming back from injury and has just been getting his feet wet. But, you know, Braden Peters in that, he's a very good goaltender. Um, and, and maybe that's where the difference lies in, in the series that might benefit Calgary. Kyle Kelsey had a wonderful season um, for the Red Deer Rebels. He did dip a little bit there in, in the month of February uh, and into March, had a nice close to his season. But I, I think with the, the veteran presence of Braden Peters, maybe he's able to come in, steal a game or two, but you look at the Red Deer Rebels, they, they're they're built for the postseason. Uh, Brent Sutter, Steve Conowalchuk, they've done a fabulous job with that team, and uh, I'm expecting the Rebels to, to certainly win that series, but I, I think the Hitman can push them a little bit, which I think will be a good thing for the Red Deer Rebels as well as they move through the postseason. One thing you pointed out was that Red Deer was home and cooled uh, for the last little while. There was no pressure for them. There was no real urgency to finish the season uh, where that wasn't the case for Calgary. Does that maybe at least early in the mm-hmm. series, maybe Calgary surprises Red Deer in, in game one or something like that, just as Red Deer hasn't had to play those urgent style of hockey quite yet, or maybe I'm uh, overrating that. No, I, I think that's a, a fair point to make. And I mean, the Calgary Hitmen, they, they win four of their last five games of, of the regular season. They lost that last game against Edmonton in a game that, that really didn't mean anything, but yeah. Um, they've been playing postseason hockey for the better part of half a month now. So, um, you know, their intensity level is going to be there and it'll be up to Red Deer in games one and two to try and match it. Benefit for Red Deer, obviously, those games being on home ice. But, no, I I think that's a very fair point. Um, You you can never look past that aspect of a team that's just been sort of sitting around. And, you know, every team will tell you going into those last couple of games of the regular season that, hey, it might not mean anything on the the standings, but we're going to really ramp it up and, and get our energy and intensity levels high. You can mimic it all you want, but until it is the actual postseason, you don't know that feeling. Whereas the Calgary Hitmen, those were postseason games for them down the stretch. So they're ready to go. They are in playoff mode now. And 
see if maybe they can sneak one out early in that series. All right, moving on, we got a great matchup, Saskatoon against Regina, and much like uh, Red Deer and Calgary, just a real solid WHL rivalry here between these two clubs, provincial rivals, obviously, uh, and a lot of marquee names in this game. Uh, this could be one of the better uh, series in the opening round. Oh, 100%. I mean, you, you mentioned it, it's, it's a classic WHL series, and of course you've got the Connor Bedard effect, which means probably every game of that series is going to be a sellout or as close to a sellout. It's going to be a, a wild atmosphere. And, um, you know, two teams that I, I think maybe closer than the standings might uh, might indicate. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that Connor Bedard can can pull games uh, out of the fire himself at times. So, uh, But they, they did meet a few times down the stretch. I think Regina did beat them once, but Saskatoon really owned that season series. I think they, they took four of the six games uh, against Regina. Um, and the one thing that Saskatoon does so well is they limit offensive opportunities against. So uh, probably they're, they're maybe one of the, the top teams in the Eastern Conference at doing that. So that's probably one of the tougher matchups for Connor Bedard to be going into. Um, but at the same time, we talked about it all year long. He's the nuclear option. He can win a game by himself. Now we'll find out, can he win a series? I don't want to say by himself. That's disrespectful to, you know, some of the other players on the, the Regina Pats because, you know, Suze Delev, Howes, Fozell, uh, Sam Maremba kind of turned it on a little bit later on in the year. Zach Stringer, uh, when he got healthy, he's a very good Western Hockey League player. But, uh, no, I think it's it's going to be a really good series. I think it's going to be a competitive series. But, obviously, you do have to lean towards the, the Saskatoon Blades. Um, they're a well-constructed hockey team. They're a well-coached team. Uh, they've gotten some really good goaltending at times this year from from both their netminders. So uh, definitely the favorites. But um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch to see Connor Bedard uh, in the WHL postseason. I'm interested to see what Saskatoon does in net because they've they've had a platoon system all year. I mean, their goaltenders Austin Elliott played 37 games or appeared in 37, and, and Ethan Chadwick appeared in 34. Uh, I, their their numbers are fairly comparable. I guess Austin Elliott is a uh, has uh, had a little bit statistically a better season, but I don't know. What do you do if you're Saskatoon? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, does it, you mentioned it, they're, they're pretty even. Does it come down to who you feel played better against Regina in the regular season? And if that's the case, it's Austin Elliott. He won three of his four starts against the Pats, uh, only gave up 10 goals uh, in those four starts. Whereas Ethan Chadwick, he got beat eight times in two games against the, the Regina Pats. So um, maybe that's, the, the the route that you lean towards if you're the Saskatoon Blades, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I don't really know how you go about making that decision. I mean, I, I just not familiar enough with both goaltenders, but um, I, I don't think there's a wrong option. You, you, you send out whoever you're going to send out for game one. And if it goes well, you just keep riding them. Um, if there's a hiccup along the way, you feel comfortable comfortable about the guy you've got on the bench uh, behind him that you can toss him in if if need be. So um, you know, obviously some some decisions for for Coach Sawney to make, but uh, at the same time, I'm sure he knows uh, his goaltenders very well, and uh, he'll make sure the right guy is out there for Game One. All right, so I think we are in agreement. Though those th- uh, first three series we talked about, probably the the home team uh, with the advantage and the higher seeds yeah. expected to move on. This one gets interesting though. Moose Jaw and the Lethbridge Hurricanes. <laughs> Uh, these are two teams who weren't separated by all that much in the regular season. I think, uh, uh, well, less than 10 points separating them. Uh, this is an interesting season. I wonder how much home ice actually comes into play here and if it's going to be a big advantage. Uh, what do you like uh, about this series? Oh, I like a lot about this series. You mentioned it's the two teams that are closest to each other in the standings, the 4-5 the matchup. Um, you look at it on paper and you look at the Moose Jaw Warriors roster, 
And you look at the Lethbridge Hurricanes roster, and this is no disrespect to the Lethbridge Hurricanes because they have some wonderful veteran players in the Western Hockey League, but there's the, you know, the NHL prospect factor that the Warriors have on their team um, with guys like Ryder Korzak, Jager Furkus, Denton Matejchuk, Max Warner, if he's playing in that series. Of course, you know, Braden Jaeger is going to be a, what, a top 10 pick in this series. So on paper, it looks like this should be a runaway for the Moose Jaw Warriors, but but you look at the the way the Lethbridge Hurricanes have played this year. They've gotten a lot out of everybody on their roster. And it is the postseason, and goaltending is extremely important in the postseason. Now, the Moose Jaw Warriors have Connor Unger on their team. He has not played in a long time. We all know the reason for that. Jackson Unger has carried the mail down the stretch here for the Moose Jaw Warriors. He has not had the season I think he would have anticipated for himself. There has been struggles at times. And then you look at the Lethbridge Hurricanes between Brian Thompson, who has come back wonderfully from that lower body injury that held him out for, what, until November, December of this year, and then for an additional month after that, and the play of Harrison Menigan. There is a direct um, and very obvious to see advantage for the Lethbridge Hurricanes in that in that series. Not to say that should it be Jackson Unger in that for the Warriors, he can't elevate his game, but if you're looking at that, I think there is a clear advantage for the Lethbridge Hurricanes. On defense, we talked, I think it was our last game together, we were talking about it. You know, as a as a group of six, I really love the Lethbridge Hurricanes defense core. There's not, you know, one of those household names. I mean, you and I have gotten to see Joe Warrenson play for a very long time in the WHL, and, mm-hmm. and we really appreciate his game. But the Moose Jaw Warriors, they've got Logan Dalhaniak, who has won a WHL title and a five-year guy in this league. And they have Denton Matejchuk, a first-round pick in the NHL, who is, um, you know, a, a wonderfully offensive defenseman. Uh, can lock things down defensively as well. But I, I, I think maybe, you know, that's a little bit closer of a matchup. Up front, the forwards, obviously, in favor of the Moose Jaw Warriors. But you put that all together, and I, I think we're we're in for a long one here between these two clubs. I'll, I'll give Moose Jaw the slight advantage because of the household names and the home ice advantage. But, I mean, I I, I would not sleep on a Brent Kissio coached hockey team. The guy knows how to win in the, in the WHL, and, um, you know, his team has proven that throughout the course of this year I don't think anyone had them picked to be you know second in the central division but here they are and, and they're a team that uh, is, is ready to rock and roll and and a good veteran group of players so they you know they're not going to be um, you know shy to the fact that it's the postseason they know how to how to play in these uh, situations so really looking forward to watching that series I think it's going to be a really good one what do you think of that series I mean I, I think it's it's almost a pickup. Uh, well, close. I think I'm going to take Moose Jaw as well, but I I do think we're going to see some overtime games and probably six, maybe seven games in that series. Uh, and I I really like what you how the you described the goaltending uh, because I, I think Brian Thompson and, and Menigan are Harrison Menigan and are both really good goaltenders at the junior level, uh, and uh, that could be a difference in this series if, if if Unger coming back hasn't played if it takes him a while to to shake that rust off, and that would be understandable. Uh, that might he might not have enough time to do that. Um, so uh, mm-hmm. I think the Lethbridge that's their big advantage in this series. But uh, I do think the offensive uh, firepower that Moose Jaw has, if it all comes to fruition for them, uh, will, would be too much in the long run for Lethbridge. But I do think it could be a, a long series. All right, let's go to the East now, or the West rather. And these are teams that we only saw half of them come to uh, Alberta this year in Edmonton. So. Uh, I'm going to be relying on you because you would have seen them all, but I know even those uh, were just one-off appearances. But 
Um, I think everybody is expecting Seattle and Kelowna to be a fun series. Uh, they met last year, but uh, that Seattle Thunderbirds uh, roster is an absolute juggernaut. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I said Winnipeg's roster kind of looks like something of an American Hockey League team. <laughs> the Seattle Thunderbirds roster, I think, could be a very good American Hockey League team. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there is not a hole to be found on that Seattle Thunderbirds roster. I, I think, for my money, they are the best team in the WHL this year. I know the standings say otherwise, but you know, when when they have everyone together and playing, that is a hard. Um, 20 man roster to, to try and beat. And um, yeah, I, I, I think in the Western conference, it's felt like for a long time, we're going to be staring down a Seattle Kamloops Western conference championship series. Um, it'll be interesting to see the other teams along the way, if they can push them um, the Kelowna Rockets. I mean, they, they've got some, they've got some nice players uh, on that team. Um, obviously Andrew Crystal is, is having a, a fabulous year and he'll be a, uh, a high pick in the 2023 WRNHL draft. And then Carson Golder, who, um, he, you knew it all along because he was wearing number nine with the Edmonton Oil Kings that he should be a forward. And uh, eventually they, they move him to forward. And this year he's a 31 goal man in the WHL. So they, they've got some, some pop on their end. They've got some really good goaltenders, but no, the, the Seattle Thunderbirds, um, I think they're going to roll in the first round as they should. And, um, um, yeah, I, I'm just looking forward to, to watching Seattle go through the, the playoffs and seeing that, that whole team together perform because um, that's a special group of players. I mean, we saw a pretty special group here in Edmonton, um, but I mean, Seattle, they're right there. I mean, they got two goaltenders, they got six defensemen and, and 12 forwards that, that I mean, <laughs> I, I, I just don't know how you beat that team four times in a seven-game series, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I agree. And when I'm looking at Kelowna, I, I think they really underachieved this year, to, to some degree at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, I expected more from them at the start of the year, but maybe as the season went on, uh, they, they just didn't have the uh, the potential that I thought that they did. But they, they lost some uh, some guys for extended periods of time. I know Adam Kidd only played 50 games uh, this year. I like him as a player, but... You're right. When you compare these two rosters uh, side by side, uh, I don't like their their chances against the Seattle Thunderbirds. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. We've got the Kamloops Blazers and the Vancouver Giants. The Giants pulled off the big upset this time last year in the opening round. Uh, does uh, lightning strike twice? <laughs> well, they don't have Zach Lestopchuk anymore, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to say no on this one. Um, and I think the Kamloops Blazers are a much better team this year uh, than the team that the Vancouver Giants uh, knocked out of the first round last year in the Everett Silvertips. And, I mean, what I, I don't want to take anything away from the Vancouver Giants, what they did last year, because it was remarkable. It's the biggest upset in WHL playoff history. But the Everett Silvertips, they were going through a pretty nasty flu bug at that time. They were, you know, far, far from 100%. Um, but credit to the Vancouver Giants. They were able to take advantage and, and author a, a, a fantastic uh, underdog story in that series. But, no, Going against the Kamloops Blazers this year, I, I think Kamloops, um, they've got the star power, probably as much star power as the Seattle Thunderbirds have, but probably not the same amount of depth uh, throughout the course of their lineup. But um, they're they're a very good hockey team. Um, Logan Stankoven, uh, Olin Zellweger, just those two players alone, having them on a roster in the WHL, um, that can win you a lot of games on a lot of nights, and I would uh, I would hazard a guess that the the Camus Blazers should uh, take care of the Vancouver Giants in in fairly short order. But 
you never know what the Vancouver Giants and Michael Dick, uh, he knows how to how to find a way through a playoff series. So uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be it's a good matchup for Kamloops too in the first round. Just you know, you're going to get a team that's that's been there, done that before in the Giants. So um, you're going to get pushed a little bit in the first round. But uh, no, I, I expect Kamloops to to be well on their way to round two in uh, maybe five games at most. Uh, what do you make of Dylan Ernst as a, a starting netminer? I mean, he's got a really good team in front of him, and I'm not suggesting that he's not a good goaltender. But the 906 save percentage doesn't—that's not an amazing stat for me on a for a goaltender on a team that's that good. Leaves a little bit to be desired for sure, for sure. Now we didn't see Dylan Ernst when uh, Kamloops came through. I believe it was Matthew Keeper right. in net against uh, against the Edmonton Oil Kings. But um, you know, one thing I will say because even if you look at last year, Sebastian Costa with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Um, you know, he was without question, I think the best goaltender, uh, in the WHL last season, obviously Dylan Grant, you can make uh, an argument there, but I mean, he only had a 913 save percentage last year for a very good Edmonton oil Kings team. And with that, you know, these teams aren't giving up a ton of shots, but the style of hockey that they play oftentimes when they are giving up shots, it's usually a pretty good chance back the other way because of the aggressive nature that they're playing with. So mm-hmm. Sometimes that can really affect a goaltender's save percentage. That's just simply not seeing a high volume of shots, but the shots they do face at times can be an odd man rush or a high danger chance in the slots. So um, I, I think that's something to keep an eye on. Of course, um, then Sebastian Costa went on to have a, a remarkable postseason for the Oil Kings and you know stole a couple of games in the WHL Championship Series um, as well. So I, I, I do think that is, if there is a question mark on the Kamloops Blazers, it is on Dylan Ernst. It's not to say that he cannot um, perform at the level that's going to be needed of him. It's just a matter of, you know, he'd been a backup goaltender up until this year and he hasn't been put in these situations before. Whereas last year they, you know, they had Dylan Grant who had played at a world juniors before. And, you know, he'd been in those big moments and he was drafted in the NHL. Just he's, he's a bit of an unknown Dylan Ernst. That's, that's all it is. And, you know, this very well could be the coming out party for him here in the WHL postseason. One huge weapon for the Kamloops Blazers is their power play. 30.1% yeah. uh, this season on the power play. You, you can't, you just can't take any penalties against the Blazers. And, you know, you're not going to go through a series without doing that. So, uh, that is a, a massive advantage for Kamloops uh, in that department. Okay, the next series, Portland against the Everett Silvertips. A couple of great rivals there. Uh, and Portland was playing really good hockey for most of the season. Then it seemed to tail off for them at the end of the year, whereas the Everett Silvertips, you can never count them out. How do you like this series? Yeah, I I, I think it's it, it's going to be a matchup that, that could uh, get us to, to six, maybe seven games. You mentioned it, um, the Everett Silvertips are a team that, that they're just always in the mix. Every single year, they're always in the mix. Even this year, I mean, they sold off, you know, Ryan Hofer and, and Olin Zellweger. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's, it's a well-coached hockey team and, um, you know, uh, didn't exactly play well down the stretch into the postseason. I think won just three of their final 10 games. But, I mean, the Portland Winterhawks, after Chaz Lucius went down with that injury, um, they failed to play with really any sort of consistency the rest of the way there. So I, I think there is opportunity for Everett if there is going to be uh, an upset um, between those those first three series where I think you can say if one team wins, that's the lower seed that is an upset. I don't think you can ever say that in a 4-5 matchup. I think this would be the series in which you see that. But at the same time, um, the Portland Winterhawks took care of business this year against the Everett Silvertips. They won six of the eight matchups um, on paper. Uh, Portland's certainly a, a better hockey club, but 
Um, you know, it's, it's tough for me to really read too much into Everett. Cause when I saw them this year, they had Olin <laughs> Zellweger and they had Ryan Hofer, right. they had a different starting goaltender. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what the makeup of that team looks like. Um, I remember seeing the Portland Winterhawks this year and we virtually saw the team that, that is going to be in the postseason. They didn't have Chaz Lucius when we saw them earlier this year. And that was a team that just, um, I just love the way that they played. Um, you know, they're not the most physically overbearing team, but skill wise, you know, they play with pace, they move the puck really well. And if they can play uh, and execute their game plan, I, I think they should win that series. But, uh, you know, never count Dennis Williams and, and the Everett Silvertips. And I'm sure there's there's still a lot of guys in that locker room that are still feeling the sting of last year's first-round upset at the hands of the Vancouver Giants. And they might be thinking, hey, now's our opportunity to get a little get-back and see if we can have one of those upsets ourselves. But, uh, no, Portland's certainly the favor, uh, favorite in that series. And, um, yeah, looking forward to that one. Though should be a good one between those two rivals. And then just like uh, in the Eastern Conference, this uh, the 4-5 or five, uh, seed battle uh, that sees the uh, Prince George Cougars taking on the Tri-City Americans. This could be one of the best uh, series in the opening round in the Western Hockey League. And uh, we've got a couple of Oil King uh, uh, alums who are squaring off against each other. There's lots of reasons to watch this one. Lots of draft-eligible players. This is going to be a fun series. Yeah, we got a pile of former Oil Kings uh, in this series. I mean, the, the Tri-City Americans, they've got Jalen Lipen, they've got Ethan Peters, they've got Chase Freed Moore, who wasn't with Edmonton for a long time, but for a memorable time for sure. Um, and then, uh, of course, the Prince George Cougars have Mr. Playoffs himself, Jackson Weeb, and uh, Ross Stanley, not a long Edmonton Oil King, but uh, still Oil King uh, nonetheless. But uh, no, this is... Uh, um, this is the series that I'm most looking forward to between these two clubs. They are so evenly matched. Um, both teams have great goaltending. They've got good defense. The, you know, probably more high octane forwards with the, the Prince George Cougars and, you know, with, um, with uh, Chase Wheatcroft, the, the season that he has had uh, to go along with the, their two draft eligible guys, Cohen Zemer and, and Riley Height. I mean, those are, um, those are some pretty special forwards that they've got. And of course, Jackson Weeb, the, the presence that he brings to that team. Um, I'd probably give the, the forward advantage to the Prince George Cougars, but um, no, I, I think this is going to be an unbelievable series. These teams are going to go back and forth. And, you know, the crazy thing is these teams haven't played each other since early December. So, um, you know, I, I don't even know that Jackson Weeb has really ever been involved in a, in a game against the tries to the Americans. I don't think Jalen Lightman has been involved in a game for the Americans against the Cougars. So there's, um, uh, a lot of finding out about one another for these two teams to do early in that series. But, um, no, it's, it's going to be a good one. And, uh, just the goaltending matchup alone yeah. between, uh, you know, Thomas Suhanik, uh, in net for the, the tries to the Americans. And, um, I, 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 I assume, is it going to be Tyler Brennan or Ty Young that, that goes for the, the Prince George Cougars in that series? I would imagine it'd be the the older of the two, but it's much like Saskatoon, though, right? Yeah, I mean they they've got two guys yeah. that they've been going back and forth with, and I guess, I mean you could always do that as well, alternate goaltenders if it worked for you in the regular season, mm-hmm. you could continue to do it in the playoffs. But most of the time, we see the team decide to go with one guy and try to ride him as long as he's playing hot. But we'll see. I'm not sure. I guess probably Brennan though for the age and experience factor, like you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably where I would go as well. Um, although Brennan never played a game against the the Tri City Americans this year, but I mean, you, you look at the the way he finished his season. Like, I mean, I mean, the Prince George Cougars finished their season so strong, but you know, he won his last three games, only gave up six goals uh, in those last three games. I think he's probably playing um, at the top of his game at the right time. 
And the same can be said for Ty Young, but uh, I think just uh, a, a year older for, for Tyler Brennan. Um, it's probably the, the way I lean to start that series. But, uh, yeah, I mean, two very similar goaltenders that the Cougars have and uh, a great problem to have. All right, prediction time. If it's uh, if it's if We know the Kamloops Blazers will be in Kamloops for the Memorial Cup. They are there as hosts. Uh, do you think they are there as WHL champions? I do not. I do not think they're going to be there as the WHL champions. I think we're going to see a WHL championship series between the Seattle Thunderbirds and the Winnipeg Ice. And uh, I'm going to lean in favor of the Seattle Thunderbirds. That is who I had thought um, basically from the start of the season onwards would be the WHL champions this year. Granted, I will say this, though, because seeing the Winnipeg Ice, we didn't see them until, what, late February yeah. uh, of this year, and the Oil Kings got to close their year with, what, four of their last 15 games against the Winnipeg Ice, which was uh, a real ton of fun, Guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, that team really impressed me. It really changed what I'd thought of them, uh, mostly due to the fact of those, those acquisitions they had made. For the longest time, I kind of thought, you know, this is the same Winnipeg Ice team we saw last year that mowed their way through the regular season. But when push came to shove, uh, they could be pushed around. I don't feel that's the case anymore with the Winnipeg Ice. I think this is a very well-constructed team. The one reason I will give Seattle the advantage, I just feel a lot better about their goaltending um, between both of their guys. I like Daniel Hauser as a goaltender. I did see the Edmonton Oil Kings pick him apart, though, last year in that third-round series. And Mason Bofit, his numbers just have not been what I thought they would be after being acquired from the Winnipeg Ice, the Spokane Chiefs. I think there's still some holes in his game. I think he's a, a very valuable NHL prospect um, with the, the size that he has, but I, I still think there's some work to be done in his game. Um, that's why I'm leaning towards Seattle winning the WHL championship this year over the Winnipeg Ice in what would be a fantastic WHL championship series. All right. I happen to have the exact same outcome with the exact same team. So that's kind of boring, but. All right. I'll say, you know what? I'll say the Regina Pats are going to win it. Right. Gunnar Bedard is going to have 60 points in the postseason. Okay. There. Good. I got you on record. <laughs> uh, before I let you go, the, uh, the, the order for the Bantam draft has been decided and the U.S. import draft. Now, uh, for those mm-hmm. maybe who are listening outside of the WHL market or casual fans, the Old Kings finished dead last. You expect. They were picking first overall, or uh, you'd be maybe a little surprised to see the Prince Albert Raiders uh, with the number one and number two pick. But that was because of the Caden Gooley trade last year. I I tweeted it out yesterday. Maybe some fan out there who doesn't really uh, think of that way, but do the Oil Kings regret not having that pick at all? No, I would make that trade 10 times over. Um, No, 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 it's... It's you know what the fact of the matter is the Oil Kings are still going to pick 12th overall in in the draft. So um, I think Kurt Hill's done a masterful job of recouping the assets that uh, he gave up last year to get the players that he did. And um, if you're telling me that there's 21 teams uh, apart from the Edmonton Oil Kings and the WHL that wouldn't sacrifice a first overall pick for a WHL championship, I'd say there's 21 liars out there because uh, it's so hard to win a championship. And you know if that's the price you have to pay. That's fine. You move 11 spots back, but you get a WHL championship. I'll certainly take that uh, all day long. And I think the Edmonton Oil Kings are, are more than happy with the situation that played out. Would have they like to avoid having the first overall pick and had maybe the Spokane Chiefs win the draft lottery? Sure. Sure. But that didn't happen. Um, and, you know, credit to the Prince Albert Raiders. This is a team that's going to be loaded up. They're picking one, two. Uh, they already have some real nice players that were playing as uh, 16-year-olds this year. 
uh, Cole Pearden, uh, Ryder Ritchie. They they look like they're well on their way to being real good players in the Western Hockey League, and they're going to add to that uh, that uh, cupboard for themselves. But uh, no, I there's zero thought uh, to myself, and I and I believe within the Oil Kings organization that that have any regrets over the trade that they made to acquire Caden Gooley. Um, because of what it led to, and that being the the WHL championship. And the Oil Kings picking third in the U.S. import draft. Spokane will be picking uh, first in that one in the U.S. priority mm-hmm. draft lottery, uh, winning the lottery. Uh, now the Oil Kings have a uh, a pretty good American player joining the team next year on the blue line. Yeah, Blake Fiddler. He'll be uh, he'll be a full timer next year. Um, obviously, he was the first overall pick in the 2022. Uh, U.S. priority draft. Um, he's got great ties to uh, not only the city of Edmonton, obviously, um, his dad being Vern Fiddler, who's from the area. Uh, he played in the Western Hockey League, had a long NHL career. Um, and um, obviously with uh, with Blake coming in now, who grew up in Texas, um, although I think he is dual citizenship. So uh, it's kind of a weird thing that they got going on with that U.S. priority draft, <laughs> how um, you know some of the players taken do have uh, Canadian uh, passports. But yeah. uh, nonetheless, um, he's going to be a big part of this Oil Kings team moving forward. And I mean, that's going to be the strength of this team. Um, I, I think next year is the defense core with, you know, Wojtek Port uh, a year older. could be a guy that gets drafted in the NHL this year. Carter Kowalik, we saw him really, I, I mean, he took on so many tough matchups this year. He played so many minutes. Um, that's only going to benefit him next year. And, you know, the uh, the Reese Petersons of the world, Ethan McKenzie, and then Blake Fiddler will be, come, be able to come in as a 16-year-old. And he won't be you know, forced upon a ton of minutes, you know, I, I think that's going to be big for him to come in as a 16 year old and just sort of be able to, to ease his way into the league. But uh, no, the team really likes what they see in him. He's a big body kid. He moves well, he moves the puck well. And uh, we're really excited about, uh, about what Blake is going to bring to this organization. Andrew, great uh, setup for the WHL playoffs. Really appreciate your time. Enjoy the summer, although I know you won't be able to golf nearly as much as you had planned on it. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a delay to the start of the golf season, but uh, (laughs) appreciate you having me on anytime. Happy to do it. There's Andrew Peart, voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings, with his uh, setup of the WHL's First round and uh, all the way through, as a matter of fact, as we're both picking Winnipeg and Seattle to get to the final. And if that's the case, it should be a great final. A little weird that they're going to be playing a WHL championship at the University of Manitoba. But it is what it is, and uh, we'll see what happens there, uh, probably after the playoffs, uh, what what the long-term solution there is. We don't know yet. Agree with our picks? Disagree? Let us know on Twitter, at TPS underscore Gee. You can find Andrew Peard on the old Twitter machine as well. Looking forward to the start of the playoffs this weekend. And that means i got to get the show out, so let's wrap it up. Thanks to all three of my guests that you heard this week. Next week on the program, well, we got the NCAA Frozen Four. So you know what that means. You're going to hear from all four coaches, and I'll have a pundit or two to share their thoughts on the big tournament getting going next weekend. But let's get out of here. we got... CHL playoffs kicking off right away before next week get out and watch some junior college hockey so that we can talk about it right here on the Pipeline Show it's brought to you by Will Hawk Beef Jerky and my name is Guy Flaming see ya